Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Can't wait for this week's podcast. We have this Scottish uh, historian on who is like really, truly one of the best historians in the world, and uh, he's gonna—he's been speaking out against you know COVID, the lockdown, and everything that's going on. They're—they're—they are now not locking you down and not telling you that you can't drive your car and drive, you know, into town if you want to do something. They're just they're just telling you that you shouldn't and uh, there's penalties for doing it. Mm. <laughs> and they're using all of the technology that uh, Scotland put in to track COVID. And now it's tracking your, uh, your carbon footprint. And this is all part of the, you know, the grand cities of tomorrow from the World Economic Forum. It's in Scotland right now. It's, it's really bad, really bad. Anyway, that's going to be our podcast. I wish there was someone around to warn us about that when it was going on. You know, everyone, everyone just blindly accepted it. And there's no opposition whatsoever. No opposition, and, yeah. By the way, uh, the uh, sequel to the book, The Great Reset, is coming soon. If you haven't read The Great Reset yet, read it or reread it because the uh, sequel is... <laughs> Is uh, even more of a roller coaster. I wouldn't call it a roller. What is it when when it goes beyond ninety degrees? It's that bad. Yeah, it's that bad. Is this book uh, more of a, a Godfather two or a Hangover two? More of a Godfather. Too. Okay, good. Yeah, that's, that's, you'll that's find a horse head uh, okay. at some point nice. uh, in your bed. Anyway, the American Society of Healthcare uh, Pharmacists, the group that tracks the production of medications around the world, has declared worldwide shortage of antibiotics, specifically amoxicillin. This podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. Jace Medical has made something called the Jace Case, and it's a great way to keep yourself prepared for the absolute worst. It is a pack of five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, things like UTIs, uh, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and a lot more. It's great for shortages. It's also perfect for traveling. Uh, Darla wrote in and said, my child developed an infection while we were on vacation. Luckily, we always travel with the Jace case. I started her up on antibiotics and the infection cleared up. Her doctor told us later it was likely that those antibiotics from the Jace case saved her life. Don't go unprepared. Jace case, J-A-S-E medical.com, Jace medical.com. Use the offer code BEC10. Check out for $10. BEC10. Use that. $10 off your order. JaceMedical.com. Offer code BEC10. By the way, um, today's podcast is is really phenomenal. We actually called it War of the Worlds if it would have been broadcast 25 years ago. People would have been in the streets um, if, you know, if they would have believed it. Now it's just like common sense and, and common everyday news. On tomorrow's broadcast, especially if you're Catholic, but anyone of religion... There is a civil war happening in all of our churches, but something unprecedented happened yesterday and tomorrow 
We talked to a uh, an expert on Catholicism and the Vatican. Pope Benedict just uh, released a book, and it was held until after his death, and it goes into the war inside the Vatican that's happening in all of our churches. You don't want to miss it. That's tomorrow's podcast. But here's today. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. So uh, we're going to talk about the M&M's controversy here in just a minute. We're going to cover all the really important stuff um, today. But I want to start with a couple of cultural things that I think are important. Um, I saw the movie The Menu last Saturday. And as a horror black comedy drama It's well-written, it's well-acted, it's a new concept, it's not a retread of anything, and four out of five stars. Absolutely worth seeing if you like this kind of thing. But what this movie, what this movie really says um, is really worth the price of admission. What this movie is actually saying about the view of the American left is much more terrifying than the plot. Now, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to spoil some of it, but not all the stuff at the ending. But um, it's worth spoiling some of the plot because the unwritten motive of the writers or the producers, or I don't know, is much more interesting than the actual movie, and it's worth seeing. So it was written by two comedy writers. Uh, one is the he spent most of his time writing uh, late night with Seth Meyers. He wrote for The Onion. Um, he's uh, Seth Rice. And then uh, Will Tracy was the other guy. And he wrote for Trevor Oliver and also for The Onion. Um, and, you know, I, I commend them. This is a dark comedy. And it is really, really, it's really good. Not so funny, but uh, ironic, you might say. And I don't know what their intentions were, but to me, this movie shows the psyche of the elite and the Hollywood left. Let me just explain what the movie is quickly. The movie is, it starts out with this uh, Tyler Ledford. He's a foodie. He's really into food and he's, he's waiting for the uh, the boat to pull up to take him to this fancy restaurant and he's talking down to this girl that he's with and he's like don't don't i take food very seriously this is very serious and he he gets on the boat and he eats you know like an oyster and he's like oh my gosh and he's just that guy that everybody would hate okay he's just oh oh the the flavor do you have do you, do you have the the oaky finish at the end of you. Oh, shut up. Okay. So he's traveling uh, to this exclusive restaurant uh, by this celebrity chef on this island. And, and it is really exclusive, only like 15 people a night. Uh, and it's, I don't know, $1,500 per person. Okay. The other guests that are attending are the food critic, She's Lillian Bloom, food critic, and her editor, Ted. Okay. Then there's Richard and Anne. Uh, they go there all the time. They're regulars there. Then there's a movie star, George and his personal uh, assistant. Uh, 
And then there's the business partners of the restaurant, three guys, kind of Silicon Valley kind of guys. And then for some reason, uh, the chef's alcoholic mother is in the corner. But um, so they get to the island and the the maitre d' greets them at the boat, says to the first guy who's the foodie, wait a minute, you said you were bringing this woman and this isn't the woman you said where I know I changed it at the last minute and there's some tension there and you don't understand why. So then she goes on, she gives a tour of everything and it's very, very weird. Then dinner begins and the chef seems to have like 30 guys behind him, you know, men and women, you know, apprentice chefs, if you will. And they are, uh, it's like military. Yes, chef. Uh, and it's, it's cultish, cultish. So he introduces all of the courses, and each course comes with a really unsettling monologue. Uh, after the third course, uncomfortable truths about each guest, uh, you know, from embezzlement to affairs and everything else, is printed on a tortilla. Each one gets an individual tortilla, and something exposing them is on that tortilla. The fourth course comes out and the sous chef is crying and he's like, I thought I wanted this job. I don't want this job. Uh, and he then kills himself. OK. The staff then makes it really clear. Yeah, there's a spoiler. I said earlier, the spoiler alert. I'm, I'm not going to tell you the ending, but I'm just telling you some of the things that are going on. Makes it clear. You can't leave. They cut off, you know, a guy's finger and everyone's like, what the hell? OK. Um then they go into all of the ways that things are going to happen to people. And what it is, is each guest was invited by the chef to come that night because he says they were responsible or contributed to him losing his passion for his craft or just making a living off of his work and the work of artisans. Uh, and they have to be stopped. Okay, so this is a very elitist chef who is talking about, you know, you are going to you're going to be dining on a whole ecosystem tonight. And it's all very uh, just so pretentious, the entire thing. But he thinks the people that are there are pretentious and they are. And he says, you know, nobody's going to walk out of here uh, alive. Now, the girl that was not supposed to be there, we find out that she's. A, a hooker okay and she was hired to be there with that guy all right won't give you all the details but it's it's uh it's pretty amazing but you kind of get it right off the bat that she's probably you know a hooker she's not a hooker she's an escort so let me summarize we have a chef who lost his passion for his job recruits a staff of perhaps 30 who in the end follow him into this death cult he blames his loss of passion on those who come to his restaurant. He blames uh, uh, those who are in the restaurant for the loss of his restaurant during COVID because they had to close, not the government. He blames the angel investor who took control because the chef would not compromise on any of his extravagant uh, ingredients. And when I say extravagant, I don't mean, hey, you should replace you know, the Colby steak with uh, Salisbury steak. I mean, extravagant. OK, a massaged cow is not extravagant in this restaurant. 
So here's here's why I wanted to talk to you about this. In this movie, food is art, food is life, and art gives everything in life meaning. Now, I'm used to going to a movie and seeing the bad guy being, you know, a white guy, uh, you know, some European Nazi, you know, white supremacist, an oil guy, a Trump voter, conservative, you know, just even a Republican. Got it. Got it. The targets on Hollywood movies usually are, you know, from the farmlands, the hapless boob from the small town or somebody who doesn't understand Los Angeles or doesn't wear black like all those in the know in New York City. But here, the nihilist protagonist is himself a disgruntled elite. No question he's an elite, most likely lefty. And he finds abhorrent, not the people in the heartland. He finds abhorrent the people in his own class. Okay? So if you look at the list, you have a member of the critic class. This person just lives to set the rule and tastes for everybody else. The character is really very much the real life. Remember the movie Devil Wears Prada, the real monster, Anna Wintour? This person is so caught up in their own world of their own making that everything not uttered by them is beneath them. This, this dialogue between these two characters, her and his, uh, her assistant, sounds like any broadcast of MSNBC. It reads like the New York Times editorial board. It's the conversations, you know, you, you would hear from professors who have convinced themselves of all this gobbledygook on any university. It sounds like the World Economic Forum or the Washington Post or New York Times editorial. It's just you don't get it. That kind of attitude. Got it. The yes man is the sycophant that stays by her side. He's not yet ordained, but he so pathetically wants to be a part of that elite in that world. He'll say and do anything. He'll laugh at anybody's jokes. He doesn't realize everybody's laughing at his, you know, behind his, uh, you know, butt kissing back. This is the scene that happens at Vanity Fair's Met Gala every year. It just, I got to be invited. I want to be invited. I, I could be there. I could be there. Okay. All of that garbage that you get from the elites, that's there. The other victim includes the rich, easy target, but not just rich. He's the empty consumer. The rich, the rich aren't villains. Just the rich that consumes what is cool, trendy, and hip. Not because they like it. But they, because they know everybody else who's anybody is consuming it. And so they will do what everybody else does because it's cool. And they don't care about anything. They just want to be in that group. The mindless eater. Now, so far, do any of these characters sound like conservatives? Then there's the vain Hollywood type that will do or say anything just to keep his stardom alive and his guest, a producer who helped or enabled him. Then the angel investor. The angel investor was invited and had to die because he thought compromises should be made in the budget after COVID 
while the chef knew there can be no compromise on art. Okay. The evil Silicon Valley financiers who are driven to greed and profit no matter what it takes. The foodie who is also a fake. While he talked a good game, it, it, you know, he did it to appear like an elite. He would be better than everyone else, but without any merit whatsoever. So far, what you have is the World Economic Forum. What you have is a microcosm of what we stand against. All of these people who are bogus. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. David, glad to have you on. David Ticey is the uh, director and producer of uh, Grid Down Power Up. Welcome to the program, sir. How are you? So glad to be with you and your listeners, Glenn. I'm yeah, doing great. Thank you. You know, I'm I'm so glad that you have come out with uh, uh, this this documentary because I, I keep asking, um, well, what happens when we get all these magic cars on, uh, you know, the grid? Uh, the grid can't handle that much we, we, when we get rid of all of the coal that is making all this electricity. What what's going to happen? Um, and you've looked at these things and looked at the grid itself. Tell me, uh, tell me how much trouble we're in. So what we're doing with this documentary, Glenn, is we're not so much looking at where the power comes from as far as how much wind we have, how much solar, right. you know, all the EVs, et cetera. But the point is our power grid is vulnerable. It's essentially tenuous and it is open for attack. But we, and our military has okay. protected our uh, command control centers, our missile systems, et cetera. But our substations in our neighborhoods, which have these huge transformers, is just completely open to attack. Mm. And if that goes down, we're so reliant on electricity. So this is more along the lines of what we're seeing with these. There was just a report out from the... Um uh, the, from the Pacific Northwest that neo-Nazis are going to be, you know, shooting and trying to bring down the power substations. So we're looking at that kind of attack and, I assume, cyber attacks? So this is a very comprehensive documentary. We talk about four major threats. One is a fiscal attack like we saw in North Carolina but or in the Pacific Northwest, but it could be a major attack like we had in Metcalf, California, that was covered by 60 Minutes. If nine substations, however, were taken out, there was a FERC report, which is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, that found if nine critical nodes were taken out, it could cause the power to go out nationwide. That's more what we're concerned about in the physical attack vector. So the other three attacks are a EMP attack, which has been talked about at times over decades, which is an electromagnetic pulse attack that would primarily come from a state actor like a China, a Russia, an Iran, and North Korea. Third attack would be a cyber attack that could come from 
a smaller group or it could come from a state actor. And then the fourth threat we talk about is a geomagnetic disturbance, which is essentially a natural EMP account attack that would come from the sun that could wipe out our transformers and, again, cause a nationwide blackout. Do you go into the uh, geomagnetic field and are are poles drifting so far with with this causing real problems with with the magnetic field, which would make your last scenario very likely? So our documentary is only 56 minutes. Okay. So it, moves, it moves fast. Right. And so we, we kind of limit some of the topics that we go into, but we, the name of my film company is Paul Revere Films. I'm literally trying to wake up America to the biggest threats. Uh, I'm trying to open a dialogue, you know, which is getting started. It's now being watched by members of the Texas legislature in the Florida legislature. I'm opening it up to congressional committees, chairman of energy and commerce committee as an example. So I'm trying to, we need to wake up your listeners and viewers because we need some ticked off soccer moms and dads where we say we are vulnerable. We've got to fix this. And the equipment is out there that can be provided at the front end of our substations so that we can make us less vulnerable. I, I, I will tell you that you, you are taking on, at least with the EMP and the, you know, the electro, electromagnetic pulse that we could come from the sun as well. Um, you've, you're barking up a tree I have been uh, barking at for a long time. And I know, I'm sure you've read the book uh, One Second After. Uh, of course. Uh, and that was written for the same that was a that was a Paul Revere moment too. the guy who, who was trying to get this to Congress said we've got to make this into a story that they can digest. There seems to be for some reason zero interest in protecting something that if it goes down 90 percent of the U.S. population will die in the first year. What is the objection to to. Uh, fixing this and protecting it. So actually there has been some action off and on by U.S. Congress. There's been a couple bills have passed. Donald Trump actually passed an EMP executive order that was codified into law in the National Defense Authorization Act of 2020. But the problem has been just ineptitude, disorganization, Frankly, there's been uh, people that have been completely inept that have not followed through. And so we need more follow through. There still needs to be better. uh, There needs to be better regulation. Uh, The big issue is we have something called regulatory capture, where essentially our electric utilities are self-governed. And there have been all kinds of examples that we talk about on our website at griddownpowerup.com, where a few times the legislators and our policymakers want to do the right thing and it's just not followed through well enough. What do you think is the most likely of those scenarios and how real do you think this is? So I'd say cyber attack is probably the, the most likely. So Ted Koppel ended up writing a book called Lights Out back in 2005, 2000. Uh, 
actually that was 2015-2016, and he was concerned about the grid going down for an extended period of time and a number of Americans dying. Jennifer Granholm, who's the current Secretary of Energy under Joe Biden, was on a Sunday morning talk show, and she was asked if our adversaries are in the grid. And she said, yes, they are in the grid and they could potentially shut it down. Therefore, what we saw with, uh, this is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but Southwest Airlines, where Southwest Airlines had all their uh, ability to be able to organize planes and Mm -hmm. uh, their people for five days. I mean, that happened you know, I think that could have been essentially a trial run or a uh, warning to our American leadership that we can do this. We can do this for other systems, but they did it for Southwest Airlines. And again, that's not proven. That's some conjecture on my part, but I believe that could be the case. I think it could be the case, too, on what happened with the airlines here just a few weeks ago, where Canada and the United States... We had to ground all of our planes because we lost our connection to all of the uh, all of the planes to send them emergency alerts and you know hey you're getting close to this plane and they say that was just human error I for one you don't necessarily uh, I don't dismiss that but I I also wonder was the human error that you clicked on this to see porn and it downloaded some sort of a a virus because it 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 was a uh, it was a, a textual uh, malfunction with the system, and it shut down the entire United States and Canada for several hours. And I think that is also a possibility of something saying we can do this. What are the ramifications of it going down? Can you explain a little bit about what happens to our society? So let's talk about that. There is something called the EMP Commission. It operated for 17 years, and it had some of the strongest scientists in the world that were on that commission. And you mentioned that 90% statistic, which just sounds ridiculous. But you look at the number of people that died in our Texas snowmageddon. That was 250 or so. We're talking about a number that would be a million times bigger than that. 250 million people. Now, it sounds ridiculous, but let's talk about how we get there. Our municipal water systems and our wastewater systems are completely dependent upon the power grid. I visited a municipal water system that serves Highland Park in Dallas and talked to the uh, head guy there, and he said, "Uh, we have no backup. We're dependent upon the grid. We thought about some backup transform, some backup uh, generators in the past, and it would cost us a few million dollars, and so we dispensed with that idea. We saw in Houston, Texas, 2.2 million people uh, for 36 hours had boil water orders because there was an electricity problem. This ended up being an internal uh, generator in their case, which is not exactly apples to apples, but we are dependent upon water. You look at cholera and what can break out if our wastewater systems don't work. 
you look at the food supply, there's no more Uber Eats. There's our there's stores no, will be there's nothing. There, there's no after. there's no refrigeration. Everything goes bad within a week or two. Everything. And it essentially does turn into zombie apocalypse, unfortunately, right. because our National Guard isn't going to be there. You think about uh, the, the two steps are if it's nationwide, it's one thing if power goes out in Louisiana because we're there in Arkansas and Texas and can right. supply. It's, but if it's nationwide, we, we essentially don't have that. We'd be counting on France to send us to send us food and water. If our water systems go out, human beings die after three days without water. And therefore, that obviously is an issue. And then you look at an extended period of time. If it's three days, yes, it's bad. If it's three weeks, all hell breaks. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at um, look at what happened with Katrina. I mean, you have 72 hours to get to some sort of stable safety. After that, in three days, when no help has arrived within three days, society goes to hell. Um, and it just uh, takes on a, a whole new atmosphere, uh, as we saw with Katrina. That is that's that's normal uh, to have that. The other thing that um, is shocking to think about is how many people are alive today that shouldn't be alive. They're taking heart medicine. Uh, they're they have insulin. Uh, the psychiatric drugs. In 30 days, you begin to have a whole new problem on your hand. Uh, and it is, it's all caused by an outage of our power. You really want to cripple America? Forget about the financial sector. Just hit the electric. If you hit our, our uh, electricity power grid, we're done as a nation. We're done. And it, it's uh, not good. Um, by the way, when you look at the ones that are sabotaging people shooting into them, we don't have those, you know, replacement parts just kind of hanging out. You have to make them, right? Exactly. So we talk in the film about uh, transformers, and especially our highest volume transformers. These weigh hundreds of tons, and most of those are made Order. in South Korea and, and Germany, mm. and there can be a long lead line for lead time for those, and therefore there's huge risk of uh, if they are taken out. And you look at our substations, you can walk around your suburban neighborhood, and you could see them being protected yeah. by chain link fence. I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, David, thank you for what you've done. The name of the uh, uh, of the documentary is Grid Down Power Up. You can find it at Grid Down Power Up. Find out all the information. Um, I urge you to uh, pay attention to this. Everything electricity is really important. Uh, David uh, understands what is what the consequences are of us not protecting it. This is should be a bipartisan and uniting issue because we all die. If they don't have this protected. Thank you so much. David Tice, griddownpowerup.com. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Chris Brady, uh, who has run glennbeck.com 
mainly into the ground. No, I'm kidding. That's, that was me. Um, uh, has, has really been the backbone of our archives and everything for so long. He started, I think he was there before you were a part of the show, the second iteration. Yeah, he, he was there in what, two, 2000? Yeah, you dumped me. You oh, dumped me. You were like, I got a hotter girl. I got to go. Best decision I ever made. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, came begging, please. <laughs> That's anyway. not how I remember those <laughs> conversations exactly. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, he's been around forever. Chris yeah. is, is a great dude and has been around forever. So he's just put out a very timely coloring <laughs> book for your kids. Uh, it is uh, Joe Biden hides classified documents. Uh, you can get it now at BidenColoringBooks.com. This is volume one, by the way. Hmm. Um, and it's a coloring book. These are great pages. And, uh, you know, you, you, you have to find the documents uh, that he's hidden, uh, you know, all over, sometimes on his body or, you know, in the picture someplace. Uh, they also... Uh, First, first ever visual illustration I've seen of corn pop, which is not yeah. how I expected him to look. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah. that's apparently what he looks like. So, um, uh, so anyway, you, you, you've, you've got that. And then great moments in Biden history. This is the, uh, and your kids will love coloring this in. This is Joe Biden leaving his house with a shotgun after he just blew three, you know, two holes. No, three holes with a with a double barrel shotgun. He uh, <laughs> he, but three holes in the uh, door. You know, uh, coming from that speech where he said, "That's what you got to do. You just shoot through the door." No, no, no. And then, of course, uh, the great moments with uh, the top secret Hillary's first kill list is all in. Uh, Joe Biden hides classified documents. The coloring book. Because uh, why not? You know why not? You can find it again. At uh, BidenColoringBooks.com. <laughs> hard to find all those documents. Just like in real life, it seems hard to find all of his documents. Yeah. Yeah, but he cares deeply. He cares so oh, deeply oh. about the process. Oh, So I, deeply. So I was listening to, uh, and again, we do these things for you. We do this things, these things for you, America. So you don't, you don't have, have to. You don't have to. You, they can't get away with things because we listen and we read the mainstream media. And we look at it so we can find all their nonsense and report it to you so you don't have to digest all of it. But they did a, a report on the Biden missing documents in the day on the daily today, which is the New York Times sort of. Uh, Do we have the New York Times uh, daily podcast? music? I love that because uh, <laughs> right. when you're talking about the daily music. Yeah, so to... let me interview you about oh. the daily today, because that's the way. It... OK. Joe Biden. Superhero. Document sleuth. Documents have been found everywhere, and he's going in for a rectal exam later this afternoon. Will we find more documents? We talk to expert Zib Zibler on The Daily. Zib. Hello, Glenn. So, uh, I hear you have great things to say about Joe Biden and the documents. I have to pause when you ask questions for no seeming no seemingly good reason on this podcast. Hmm. So what was the strategy of the Biden White House as they went through this process? That's the question. And I think it's an interesting one. So, Zib, I don't have the answer to that. 
I want you to ask me that because that's what they talked oh, about okay. on the podcast. All right. uh, what was the what? What was it? Yes. What Clint. was the strategy? Yeah. What was the strategy? And what's your name? The host, Michael. My- Michael. <laughs> Michael. The White House had a strategy when these documents were first uncovered at the Penn Biden Center, and that strategy is something that I'm. Happy to talk about if you ask me about it. Mm, I'd love you to talk about it. Talk about what? The strategy of Biden and the rollout of the documents. The strategy of the rollout. <laughs> the strategy Shh, of. The music's playing. Okay, It'll sorry. end in a second. Okay, so we're just supposed to sit here and Shh, listen to this really right crappy now. music. Yes, go. I'll play it again. The strategy of no, no, yet. This early. is where people are thinking about the question that you're about to answer. Okay, okay, I'll stop. Right. From the New York Times. <laughs> We're back to the intro again. <laughs> Shh. This is a little longer than they usually are. Does this end? So the strategy behind the White House documents was something that the White House felt passionately about. They just didn't want to talk to the public about this after finding out about the November 1st batch of documents. And the reason why... Oh, more music? That... I was trying to finish. No, I want you to think about what you just said there. Okay, so should I, nothing. do I set it up Go again? Or do I, no, just... So, their strategy was to make sure the public didn't know about this, and the reason for that was they just didn't want to affect the investigation. <laughs> and hmm. yeah, I know I, I took so it, I took it s- at face value too. So what you're saying is they didn't want to infect in, infect anyone's thinking on the investigation because if they found him to be guilty, the, the white house wanted to make sure that he paid the full price. Thank you. Okay, so I didn't want to talk when there was no music. It would have been weird. So, yes, they, they, the issue was, no, no, they just didn't want the investigation to be uh, tainted. tainted in any way. Right. So they just didn't tell the public at all. And then 68 days or so went by. <laughs> But only 68 days. Only the 68. Right. And the 68 days went by. And then more documents were found. Okay. And CBS News breaks the story of the first set of documents. And what does the White House do? They only confirm that report, but don't talk about the second batch of documents. Hmm. And that was to, again, protect... The, the sanctity of this investigation that now the whole public knew about already. The New York Times breaks down all of the key topics every day with the Daily. So to make sure I'm clear here, I have no skepticism at all. They told me this, and think, I'm saying it to you. I have I, no, no skepticism, no levels of skepticism. We, why would you? They said it. The Biden White House told it right. to me, and now I'm telling it to everyone else exactly. as if it's the news. As what we do here every day on The Daily from The New York Times. Na, 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 na.